This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great returning guest. She is an author and her name is Amy Spaulding. <laughs> Yay! You got through those two facts about me. <laughs> those two facts. <laughs> One of which was my name. One of which was your name. And I will admit, I normally do a list for people, but I've really been taken uh, with asking people about their nouns. Like what they consider themselves. Oh. Like I know that you, like, you are an author. I am. You, that is like a true thing, and I am guessing that that is something that you are proud to have uh, be a part of your identity. Yes. But I, I didn't know what other to pick out, like, she also is fun at parties. Like, <laughs> <laughs> other true things about you, I don't know how much for you they are a part of your identity. Yeah, I always say writer and performer, because okay. author sounds very fancy to me. <laughs> okay. And so clearly this is just like imposter syndrome I'm working through by how I identify. <laughs> yes. But I always feel like then I'm like... I'm open to doing other things because people like author. I'm like, oh, it's like fancy books. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I write non-fancy books and sometimes an essay. So I'm going to be a writer. <laughs> in Performer, you've done some improv, right? I've done a lot of improv in the past. And I I feel like I'm like, I'm open to doing improv anytime someone asks. And someone literally asked me today. And I was like, oh, no, it's been way too. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I have to get back into it. Yeah. That has come up with, uh, with other people I've chatted with on the podcast about that they let the improv skills get rusty. Yeah, it's really scary, too, because I think I could do improv with other people who haven't done it for the same amount of time. Because for a long time, I had, like, one team. We didn't practice. We just, like, anytime we were asked to do a show, we showed up. We did a show. A lot of us were sort of at the same level of, like, we don't do this a lot, but we love playing, you know, with each other on stage. We had a lot of time. It was real loose and fun. And then... That just sort of like went away because the show we were doing like kind of changed ownership or something. Okay. And none of us were like eager to put our name anywhere else. And it just kind of stopped. But if I was asked to do improv with those people because we're all about the same like, oh, do we know how to do this? I could do it. Yeah, I think it's great to do improv with people who are going to be forgiving, fellow performers, because there are those rules of improv that are good guidelines like don't ask questions. Don't say no. And like those are great guidelines. But I always get in my head. And like I hadn't done improv for a long time. And the first thing I like walked on stage, I was like, who are you? <laughs> and my friend was like, okay, I'm not going to be judgy. And just answered. It's like, oh, yeah, don't do that. Right, right. Oh, my God. It's so funny. I feel like it's like every first improv scene you do is just like, hello, let's just have a cash register transaction. And also, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about yourself. I would actually love that if there are more improv scenes that were just people walking through a perfectly healthy interaction. I would too. Like, because the thing is, one of the improv teachers I had said, you know, something weird is going to happen because people are weird. Like, you can try to have the most normal interaction on stage and it will get weird because someone will say something that they think is normal (laughs) and it's not. And that's, I mean, it's one of my favorite things about improv is, you know, we all, I think we're all like, I'm baseline human. Yeah. And then you find out through human interaction, you're not. Like, none of us are. (laughs) Like, who knows what baseline human is, but it's not me or you. I like just resting cheese on my feet, right? Everybody, (laughs) everybody does that at the end of the evening, right? Right. That's normal. Uh, Well, I hope to see you uh, back on stage doing improv and you've done some uh, guest bits. uh, Yeah, I did a guest bit on one of your shows yeah. i would do that again all right well we'll so, talk well i mean that what that sounded so much like i <laughs> like i've engineered this whole appearance to be like yeah joseph why don't you put me in any of your shows get out your calendar yeah <laughs> no i we would love to have you back you're great 
Uh, you're great on the show. Uh, so let's uh, let's get into your obsession. Let's do it. Your obsession is Grey's Anatomy. This is so great because I have never seen a single moment of Grey's I Anatomy. I can't wait to talk about it with you. Yeah. Then. So I read the Wikipedia, or I skimmed the Wikipedia because it's, it's probably really long. long. Yeah. So if you are explaining it to someone like me who has never watched anything of Grey's Anatomy, what is the show? Sure. So at its heart, it is a medical drama that is pretty soapy. And initially, I think the whole sort of pitch of Grey's Anatomy, it was like young and sexy because it was interns and a lot of them were sleeping with like each other or with their bosses. Any patients? Did they sleep with patients? That did not happen for a bit. Okay, for a Mm, bit. You know what? Did it? Yes, it did. (laughs) Actually, okay. It didn't happen a lot. Okay. (laughs) They had some ethics. There is, I'm like, oh, I'm remembering a really specific thing. But in general, no. Okay. So there's some, there's some ethical things being upheld. And I would say as, you know, it's on season 16, I believe now. Good God. It is slid into just pure, uh, mostly soap opera territory. Okay. And I would not say it is exactly, it's still kind of that, but it's also just a lot of real weird patient of the week stuff and in my opinion, unnecessary drama between characters who've been added that I don't feel add anything to the story. And yet, I am still watching it. Okay, so a lot of new characters have uh, have phased in over the years? Yes. Okay. And how does it um, how does it make itself different than other medical dramas? I think at the beginning, it was... I keep saying this because I'm like, uh, at this point, it's just a medical drama that's on TV. Yeah. And there's things about it that I think are very good still but at the beginning it was definitely it was young it was sexy it had like a cool i remember the like the trailer they played on tv to get everyone excited about it had like a postal service song in it so i think we're all like (laughs) and this was 2005 so we're like holy shit this must be a cool show very hip and with it yeah yeah that's a band on saddle creek records i'm gonna watch this (laughs) so it always felt like it was sort of you know like just a little younger a little cooler and also much more i was gonna say very diverse it's still a mostly white cast at when it started, but it was still much more diverse than I think a lot of shows were at the time. This was like 2005? 2005, okay. yeah. And Shonda Rhimes was show running it, and I know from what I understand when they cast it, they didn't go into mind with like any certain race or you know okay. type of person in mind when they, they just wanted to see the best person. Okay. So I'm sure the network did normal shitty things behind the scenes right. but it does come off as a little more balanced than a lot of things that were on tv at the time right and in in particular if you're doing like a medical drama where these are you know interns in people who are going to become doctors that's a great statement to make of like yes pushing against that stereotype of like your doctor is a 54 year old white man and that is how doctors work yeah so it was very cool to see yeah that's a great point because it's not just seeing people of color but it's also just seeing women in these roles where they get to you know be high achieving to really go after career highs and you know achievements which is not necessarily a thing that women get to do on TV okay. all the time. So was it originally planned that this would be a show about interns and then it was just on so damn long they had to make them doctors? Is or- That is my guess, yes. <laughs> because, I mean, we all know, like, Hollywood's, we all know, we're literally, like, sitting feet from Hollywood, so I'm having this conversation. <laughs> like, everyone in- listening is an industry insider. But one of the silly things is when people pitch a show – you have to have like these seasons of ideas in mind of like right. where it would head. But also, you know that it's very unlikely it could even happen. So it's like make believe to some degree. So I'm sure they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In season whatever, they become regular doctors. But 
you know, I think at that point, you're just hoping to get a season. Right. A pilot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Yeah. Not even a season. Like, <laughs> one, money for one episode, please. Yeah. So I'm sure it was in the back of their head, but it is kind of, it's it's absolutely weird that this was going to be about interns, and now, like, those are the old people at the hospital. Yeah. And they, uh, according to Wikipedia, but, but you are my Wikipedia because you're here, the character Dr. Meredith Grey has been there the whole time? Yes. So she, and... I think that's why the show is, I assume, from what I understand, as long as she wants to do the show, they will keep making the show. And okay. the second she's done, the show's done. Wow. So she is like, you know, I mean, she's our title. She's our titular Grey of Grey's Anatomy. Okay. And she is the one who has, you know, the voiceover most of the time. She is our, you know, entry point character. Okay. The story is kind of hers with a lot of other people filling in the B and C Sort of plus. Okay, cool. And how much of the appeal of the show is her? Are you there for her? So the funny thing is, I when I remember, it's, I mean, it's been on so long. I have like these <laughs> like faded, distant memories of watching it initially. And I feel like I was like, no, not as interested in her. And then over the course of the show, I have totally made this like total change on her. I find her much more interesting. And also her character has gone through so much and achieved a lot. And now I'm like... I will say there's something really powerful about seeing someone age from their, I guess, late mid to late 20s yeah. to their mid 40s in front of you on television, still like, you know, again, playing someone who is, you know, winning awards and doing these like crazy surgeries. There's something about that. It's weirdly, I don't know, there's something really nice about that. Yeah. Women don't, a lot of female characters on TV who are kicking ass are in their 20s and early 30s. So it's like, Oh, is this someone who's like older than me who's still like getting shit done? Yeah. And it's our POV character. Yeah, yeah. And it is rare to see somebody grow like that, a woman in particular, because we are used to sometimes maybe with a movie star, but it's not as week to week, right? Exactly. As it is with television. But sometimes if a famous person pops into fame at 45, it kind of uh, reinforces this idea that age is a constant. Yes. And like it, when you're young, you kind of think, oh, I'll always be young, even though you rationally know that is not true. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I think it helps so much to actually just see a famous person age right in front of you. Yeah, there's something to me. There's just something really compelling about that. And it's made me I don't think that's the only thing that's made me like the character more, but it definitely is part of it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, so you, you were talking about remembering what it was like when you first started watching. Did you, because you were attracted to the music <laughs> in <laughs> the promo? I, I tried to avoid it because that's, I still have a lot of like bad 90s teen tendencies. So I was like, well, network television, they want me to think this is cool. No, thank you. And then everyone I talked to was like, actually, it's pretty good. You should totally watch it. And I love a medical drama. So I don't know why I resisted in the first okay. place. I will watch most of them, at least initially. And so I think I got hooked. I think I actually got hooked in it like early season two because okay. the first season was real short. I think it was a mid-season replacement. And so that was also that thing that used to happen with television where if you didn't start at the beginning, you just wouldn't know what happened because right. there was no streaming. Like they made DVDs way later. Yeah. So you just sort of had to be like, well, if I'm going to watch this, I have to not know what a bunch of things are. Yeah. So you came in like mid-season? I feel like I came in early season two, yeah. Early season two. Did you ask friends what had happened or were you just like, I'll wait for the DVD box set? I I think I waited for the DVD box set. (laughs) I think you also, there was enough on the internet with recaps and things like that. You're like, okay, I'm kind of piecing this together. And also I think shows used to be written with the idea that people were tuning in possibly every week for the first time. And there was a little more 
not like a ton of exposition, but I feel like they took care of you more than now. Especially every- on network. Yeah. Yes. I think now you're much more expected to be like, go back to the pilot and catch up. Yeah. Even on the network TV shows I watch, which is honestly mostly the CW, they'll be like absolute throwaway line that is uh, delivered in a throwaway way, but it's pivotal to the plot. But it's like an obscure thing from like, I watched that four years ago. I don't remember that. I don't know what you're talking about. So much work now. I can't remember everything from all the pop culture. I like, did you love it? immediately or was it just like hey this is one of my shows or were you like immediately hooked no the funny thing is about this is i feel like i watched it for a long time but i was sort of like i like it and it was a thing that my friends liked and i think my roommates at the time we would watch it together so it was fun and i thought it was good but it's almost like the the worse it's gotten i've like developed this weird like i love it in spite of itself yeah and then Almost like it makes me love it more because I'm like, this thing is just barely hanging on to even being a show. And I just, I have this like great affection for it now. And I don't know, I don't fully understand where, where the surge has come from, but I'm embracing it. Okay. So you, you have diligently watched it, but as it's gotten oh, wobblier I, in its age. So I bailed on it, I want to say around season six. Okay. And it was a lot of things. I was really busy at the time. Yeah. They had just had a, they had just had a season where, a B plot. Is it even a B plot? It was an important plot. Someone was basically like having sex with a ghost. Oh, God. And it turned out to be a symptom of a tumor. Okay. But like you had to watch a lot of the season. You had to like, watch ghost sex? Yes. It was like a somebody who had died. <laughs> like someone who had died. Okay. Um, and this is, if you talk to people who watched it and no longer do, this is, many of them say this is where they bailed. I bailed on the ghost sex. Yes. Yep. Okay, fair enough. Now, a solid sentence. I got through it and then was like, you know what? No, I just, I can't. I think I'm just, I have a lot of things going on. What? Am, why am I carving out time? And I, and I think this was also a point where TV was, you know, we're, we're in the like golden age of television now. And I feel like, like really exciting things were happening on cable. Right. And I was getting a little away from network and a little away from things that I sort of were like, oh, this is like a basic thing that yeah. boring people watch. And years later, it all showed up on Netflix. I want to say like maybe during like season 12. Okay. And I was like, I wonder what it'd be like if I just watched those early seasons again. What would happen? Like, yeah. would it be garbage? I don't even know. And I got hooked. So this is probably really when I fell back in love with it. Yeah. And like started to become very rapid <laughs> about my feelings. I just, I whip through it so quickly. And the thing about streaming, as as you know, when you hit like a bad patch or a bad B-plot that you can tell is going to like eat up a yeah. season, you're just going through them so quickly. Right. And we watch, I think we watch TV, I keep saying we, I'm sure there are people who are like, that's not how I watch TV. <laughs> but I think a lot of us now, we're watching TV as like a, a comfort noise thing in the back while I'm also like on my phone or doing other stuff. Right. And so- Versus it being the one thing in the room that you're like paying attention when something very dumb happens in the, you know, in the background, you're like, that's, that's fine. Let's right. Just, we'll just keep going. There's a big difference between appointment television. I'm making time to watch this every Wednesday or whatever it is yeah. versus eh, the ghost sexes. Exactly. I'm going to power through that. It's only four yeah. more episodes of I'm ghost like, sex. I can get through this. Sometimes <laughs> I will say sometimes when you're watching something, you're like, oh my God, so many episodes. What is going on? I really <laughs> thought we'd be through it by now. <laughs> Isn't this over yet? So for you, when you were power watching it, uh, like how many episodes a night? Oh, I would say, I would say there are nights there were like 
three or four. Three or four. Yeah. Okay. On the okay. weekends, who even knows? Who even? <laughs> but so, it was there was definitely there was definitely a point where I'm like, this is not as good anymore. But I do want to see it all. So it was sort of like I'm cooking. I'll put I'll put one on while I'm okay. Barely paying attention. So it was not all watched carefully. Do you feel like spending that much more intense time with the characters? Uh, I have a friend who who refers to uh, people on on television as uh, her television friends. <laughs> Do you feel like you became closer to your television friends because you were literally spending more time with them? I do one. I'm like, I don't really know when I really fell in love with the show in a weird way. Oh, I was spending three to five hours in that. All right. Well, this may be. <laughs> yeah. If that was like a, another human, like, I don't like them. I'm no, not interested. I, wanna, I just spend four I'm hours a night sure with them. I not spend that much time with anyone. <laughs> uh, okay. So that makes sense of why you would uh, have a, a, an uptick in your obsession. And then obviously you caught up on all the seasons you had yes. missed, right? And then I, yeah. And then I got current. So. Yeah. Also, I feel like toward the end of getting. Right when I was getting caught up, I also uh, went to the ER myself for the first time. Ooh, okay. And then I think I was like, ooh, I know. They, at one point, they're like, we're going to have to take you to ultrasound. And I kind of nodded like, well, of course. That's that's <laughs> when this happens in the episode. Right, right. I had a period of watching House where like, I'm probably going to get intubated eventually. Everybody gets intubated, right? It's such a normal it's just a thing part that happens. of life. It's a, it's a first step. Yeah, yeah, it's in the first act. So clearly. <laughs> yes. Can we show you to your table? Uh, will we be intubating you as well? It's a normal experience. Um so you were mentioning that you feel like the show has gotten wobbly in its age. Yes. But that is only increasing your love for it. I think it makes me defensive of it to some degree because people are like, who even watches it anymore? And I'm like, a lot of people. It's very popular yeah. still. <laughs> and I think sometimes when it's just bonkers, I'm like, I'm here for this. Like, yeah. where, are you t- where are you taking this plot? I would like to see. And okay. then, of course, I'm usually like, well, that was... Stupid. I don't know why I wanted to see. <laughs> or I'll or I'll like enjoy it while I'm watching it. And then I try to some, tell someone else what happened. And I'm like, well, there's a fire and there's a pedophile. So they're hoping the fire would like burn the pedophile. But then the hospital caught on fire and someone got so scared having to escape. She quit being a doctor. Like that's. Okay. Not a great season finale. Or, right. But was it? It was exciting. It's great conversation. I think the pedophile did get burned, as I recall it. <laughs> For some reason, it stuck out more to me that the doctor had to quit. Uh, well, it's a <laughs> big impact on the show, I would imagine. Um, so, in general, do you like things that are partially, like, legitimately you think is good and partially you get to enjoy how bonkers they are? Is yes. that a, Is that just a taste thing for you? I have noticed that a lot of things I have, like, a great deal of affection for, like, there are musicals I love that I'm like, oh, also, this thing's incredibly flawed, and if it were to actually be perfect, it would need a lot of work. Yeah. But I'm like, why do I like that more than something I think is, like, front to back good? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's something about, for me, that sometimes those works of art or commerce almost feel more human. Yeah, that's a really good point. Something that's just perfect is just sort of like, well, that's cool that's like a sunset great yeah you put it like Good. on a little shelf and you look at it you're like great yeah yeah and there's in in honestly sometimes conversations once a thing has been kind of thoroughly dissected yes. by you and your friends and so your society like yep we know that shot is amazing in citizen gain great we've yeah. known for decades that shot is amazing and and you know no criticism to people who are just discovering that no but if it's one of your favorite works 
you know, or even you get a lot more from a lot something of like course about it already. Right. Exactly. So it's sort of like, well, like right now I'm loving The Watchmen. Yeah. And I think it's amazing. But I'm also like, it's amazing. That's what I have to say about it. Because <laughs> many great thinkers on the Internet have already dissected things in ways that are above and beyond what I'm going to come up with anyway. Right. So instead, I just get to be like, great work. This show's good. Yeah. Whereas and- with Grey's Anatomy, I could talk about. You know, I'd have to rewatch it to get all the details right, but I could talk about that weird fire episode like a lot. <laughs> yeah, and when the when this episode actually uh, is released, Watchmen will be done. But like even now, where we are, I is a fan of the graphic novel. I just reread it uh, before it came out. I feel like I understand why Damon Lindelof is making all of the choices he is. But when you tell me there was a fire and it made a doctor quit, and it also <laughs> there was also a hope that it would burn a monster. Uh, that makes me go, why would anyone think that? And it's an entry point to the humanity yes, behind the show. Because someone had to come up with that. And it's funny because one of my friends, Akila, always says, Amy, you love to talk about this episode. So I'm giving her a shout out because if she's listening, <laughs> she's like, oh, you love to talk about this. But there was an episode where a woman hit a gun in her vagina and then came to the hospital. And as she was sort of like writhing in pain, it shot at people through her. And... <laughs> I can't, I will never stop. Oh. Like, I think I could be on my dad's bed and be like, the gun in the vagina <laughs> shot through her and shot a man. And then he had to get surgery. I just kept thinking about being that man's family. And he's like going in for like get stitches removed or something. Right. And someone has to call his like next of kin and been like, well, there was an incident. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> It, no, it, guns happen. It's it's just society. It's unfortunate. Uh, very, very horrible. We should do something about that. Um, are you active in any Grey's Anatomy communities, either in person or online? I'm not, but I post about it a lot. What I decided was I felt like Grey's Anatomy is a thing a lot of people watch, and it people feel silly for watching it because they know it's not like good anymore it's not a show that wins awards it's not a show people give a lot of credit to mostly that's correct but i felt like i don't i think we talked about this last time i was on i don't believe in guilty pleasures because i think if you like something you like something it speaks to you on some level exactly and i think we say it's a guilty pleasure when you like know something is like maybe not objectively good yeah. and so you're like relieving yourself of the burden of liking something that's not good and i've just decided in my life i'm gonna like what i like yeah and some of it's not going to be good and for me to just be like well it's a guilty pleasure i feel like i'm just walking around going i'm better than this thing yeah it's like well are you it's been on the year it's been on the air 16 years i haven't had anything on the air much less for 16 <laughs> years like it's achieved more than i have yeah so i've just decided to be like I'm going to be a vocal fan of this show that has brought me, I don't know, a lot of joy. Yeah. And so I have friends, we we all text about it, especially one of my friends, because he's on the East Coast, will like text me and be like, okay, after you watch it on Thursday, let me know. <laughs> but then usually it'll just be like, well, that one plot line was dumb. Or like, I liked that a lot. It's, we're not even having like deep discussions. Right, so, right. Yeah, that's sort of the, I feel like I just talk about it with friends. I don't really dive into it further i have noticed because i do follow the official Grey's anatomy instagram a lot of the a lot of the other fans i feel like at least the ones who want to comment on that they're very pure about it still it feels like there's a lot of just like i love this couple i hope they get together i hope they stay together (laughs) oh i'm rooting for them and i'm much more like this guy's garbage get him off like what like i'm the weird one i like hate people on it and i'm just like no i will watch every episode you're like a baseball umpire (laughs) 
Get him out of there. Uh, do you have a favorite character, though, or a ship or anything? I, I, I At this point, I love Meredith Grey so much. Okay. Um, of, the, of the characters who've been on the show, uh, Sandra Oh's character, Christina Yang, I love her. Um, she left many years ago. Okay. The show has suffered for her loss. But because she's not on the show anymore, I feel like I have to pick... Uh, I feel like I have to pick someone who's still on it. I like a lot of the characters. Um, I like Meredith's uh, one of her her most recent long lost sisters. She's had three total. <laughs> Maggie <laughs> Pierce. Twins? No, no. She so she found out her dad had another family early, pretty early on in okay. the show. We met one sister super briefly. We saw her twice. We never saw her again. The other sister also became an intern and then a doctor at the hospital. But was killed in a horrific plane crash at oh, the no. end of season eight. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be correcting you. And then <laughs> I think I'm right on this, but feel free, Internet. I know you like to tell people when they get things wrong. <laughs> um, and then she discovered she had another long lost sister that was from her mom uh, a few years ago. Okay. But that character, Maggie Pierce, is great. So sometimes a very bad soapy idea. Can have a great, you know, yeah. can have a great character introduction. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know uh, because you told me, and just from general cultural osmosis, that there is a lot of uh, relationships, right? Yes. There's a lot of long-term relationships and breakups and rehookups and all that. Yes. Do you is shipping something you do in general? And if so, do do you apply it here? I don't do a lot of it because I'm just this, the person who's. I say that sometimes I have feelings. Okay. I think I'm more. I think a lot of the men on Grey's Anatomy are garbage, and it makes me mad that these, like, amazing women are, like, falling for them. I mean, Got trust it. me, some of the women are garbage, too, so I don't want I don't want to give the impression that I'm just like, all the men suck, and all the women are great. <laughs> some of the women suck, too. But I feel like some of the men who get a lot of time are just terrible, and I get mad at them. Okay. And I think some of the – I think sometimes they are written in ways that I like – I like complicated characters. I like flawed people, but sometimes I don't feel like the show understands how bad they've written someone. Right. And that gets on my nerves. So I think I do more like, they should break up than they should get together. <laughs> so you're anti-shipping. I'm anti-shipping. <laughs> yeah. this ship. I'm shipping divorces. <laughs> if you had to be operated on by one of the doctors, oh. who would you want to be operated on by? Okay, so I, I've thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> when I was thinking about that question, I was like, I bet she has an answer ready to go. So I feel like I feel like Meredith Grey is a great choice and she would be nice. But I feel like Christina Yang is a much better doctor. But her whole thing was she had a bad bedside manner. Okay. And couldn't be nice to patients. And so I'm like, in my head, I think I want the doctor who's really good but not quite as good. Yeah. Because she'd be nicer to me. So I think I'd go with Grey. Because <laughs> I think a big part of my – like having had surgery – like, I really wanted to just, like, make my surgeon, like, think I was cool and, like, like me. <laughs> this didn't matter. He's just going to take out my gallbladder. Like, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. But I think I do. I think I do need, like, I always want authority's approval yeah. and acceptance. So I think I couldn't have a surgeon who was just, like, all business. Well, it matters for you, right? Because being stressed can affect your body, yes. right? And even if it doesn't get to that level, you have just the desire to feel like this was not a terrifying experience and somebody walking you through Gently and kindly is better. Exactly. Yeah. So that would be the head doctor, Meredith Gray. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. All I right. mean, but she is like, her specialty is general surgery. So it okay. also be appropriate. Like, I like that I'm like basing this on my actual, sur <laughs> like it's not just theoretical surgery. I'm like, she's done gallbladder removals. She could handle it. Yeah. At this point, is there still a lot of doctoring on the show or has it, is it mostly about the relationships? There's still plenty of doctoring on the okay. show. Yeah. 
Okay, so they keep the doctoring going so you can have uh, fantasy about <laughs> operations. <laughs> That's so great. Have you ever made a different life decision because of your interest in Gray's anatomy in career, finance, or mm. even medicine? Have you gone to the hospital going, this is what I want? No, I don't think I've made different decisions, but I do think I'm like, yeah, I feel like anytime I interact with a healthcare system in my head, I'm like matching it up to like, I remember thinking at one point, oh, I feel like I'm like a C plot. I feel like I'd be like the person who's getting getting a super typical experience just in the background so that like some doctors could like have like a sexy conversation. Yeah. So I liked that because I'm like, I, you don't want to be the A plot because that means like you have something wrong with your body that's like, <laughs> ex- like interesting. Yeah. Or like very bad. So I'm like, I just want to be the C plot of a Grey's Anatomy <laughs> episode. So yeah, I do feel like it hasn't changed me. It hasn't changed the decision I made, but I definitely have it in mind. Yeah. Like if I go through a healthcare situation. You just want to have a competent doctor and then when they leave the room, you want to happen to overhear them talking about their dating life. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah, I the only medical drama I, I've ever been super into, well, uh, saying elsewhere when I was a child, uh, but how my wife and I watched House religiously. Yeah. And that one really has made me, I'm already not great at the doctor. Uh, but last year I had a physical for the first time in a, in a longer than it should have been. And it was so fast. And I had all these house things running in my head. I was like, I feel like I have a slight bump in my stomach. Could, <laughs> like, could you touch that and figure something out? And like, uh, and the doctor was just like, eventually like, you look, if something's wrong, come back. I can't, oh, I can't I like, so but it makes me I so paranoid. They want to know. And yeah. they, they don't, they're like, no, we know what it is. Yeah. Or, they or there's just, nothing. Or they're fine. just like, eh, they don't, like in-house. And like I think that's the thing that scared me the most of that idea that medical problems are often hard to track down. And if you don't push them, they'll be right. like, bye. Yeah, and I think that's where I was coming from of like, if there's some obvious, obvious like growth in my stomach. Just tell me. Yeah, like, Can we talk about it? I don't want to get rushed out of here. It's like, so funny because there's like two – I was talking about this with a friend. There's like two things that happen on episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Once like Meredith Grey's stepmom got the hiccups and then it caused some sort of – like it wouldn't stop. So she got some procedure and then it caused like a C. diff infection I think. And oh, then she God. died. So she died from the hiccups. And so it's made all of us like terrified <laughs> of the hiccups. And there was an episode where a guy came in the clinic and he – like their little free health clinic that they sometimes remember – like, the show forgets they have it, and then sometimes there's a plot there. <laughs> so a guy came in, and he's like, oh, my nose has been running a lot. Please help me. And they're like, oh, sir, just, like, blow your nose. And then, like, a more experienced doctor came in and saw, like, his, like, tissue and was like, if it looks like that, you're leaking spinal fluid, and it's coming out of your brain. And <laughs> the thing is, to us, it didn't look that different than, like, normal, like, I have yeah. a slight nosebleed or, like, my sinuses are screwed up. So <laughs> it, it's really put a lot of fear in, in many people. <laughs> I'm sure that real Those doctors the... hate when an episode like oh, that comes God, out. Right? And, like, the next month of their life is like, here's a Kleenex. Is it spinal fluid <laughs> <laughs> from everyone who comes in? <laughs> Another Grey's Anatomy fan. Great. Um, so so you haven't had any medical choices. Have you ever done any anything that has affected your personal life? Have you ever, like, decided, like... <laughs> I'm going to stay in or I don't want to talk to that person because they're too much of an asshole about uh, Grey's Anatomy. Have you kind of let it in in that deeper level that it's affected anything or is it just a these are TV friends? I think they're just TV friends. Yeah. Okay. I mean, 
if I'm home, I'm going to watch it on Thursday nights. Okay. I did once. Uh, I found out it had been, like, taken off the DVR because the DVR had gotten reset. And oh, God. I, like, did fall apart a bit, but. <laughs> okay, when you say fall apart a bit, little bit. I think I was just, you know, well, I guess I'd be watching Grey's Anatomy if the DVR <laughs> hadn't reset. Just a lot of, you know. Me yelling, like, and I was like, I'll just, I mean, I can just watch something else. It's, yeah. I, I can watch it on Hulu tomorrow. It's not really yeah. that big of a deal. <laughs> but that gives me, that gives me a picture of your, <laughs> your level of engagement. Uh, there was some interesting stuff that I read on Wikipedia that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Wikipedia told me that there is a musical episode of yes. Grey's Anatomy. What's the deal with that? It's real weird. I, I, I'm, to be honest, I did. I didn't look into the history of this, but it's just weird. Yeah. Because they just kind of sing the songs that are on the soundtrack of Grey's Anatomy for the most part. Like well, the soundtrack, like the. I don't know what that means. So there's a. I think they've released a few soundtracks. Okay. But it's a lot of it is like big swelling ballads, like "Summer Only We Know," um, okay. "How to Save a Life." Uh, and they come uh, from somebody. They've been written about Grey's Anatomy. No, or they're, they're just like internal pop to the show songs, or that have become like internal to the show. They're used at these like key pivotal moments. Okay, so there's so there then, are existing songs that have been associated yes. with uh, Grey's Anatomy. Yes. Okay. And so they sang a lot of these. I think what happened was they have a few cast members because like Sarah Ramirez, who was on the show at the time, was like came straight from Broadway. Okay. So I think what happened was they're like, we got some people who sing. Let's do this. And it's like, well, you don't have that many i just feel like they came yeah. up with the idea and before like really doing the head count of like who was gonna sing and who was good at it so i feel like sarah ramirez and uh kevin mckid did who plays owen hunt did like a lot of the heavy lifting with the singing. okay so it was truly bizarre i feel like every musical television episode i've ever seen that isn't from a musical like crazy ex-girlfriend has at least one actor who is sort of bitterly speak singing. Yes! <laughs> because they've been roped like into were. this. I haven't seen that episode in a while, but I feel like it was like more than... First of all, it's a very large cast. Yeah. So it felt like a lot of people were just sort of like, what is... What great? was the conceit? How did they explain that I believe everyone it was, was breaking into song? Um, Sarah Ramirez's character, Callie, got into a car accident. Okay. And so I think it was sort of her experience of this, you know, terrible thing that happened was... It was a musical. Processing which, it through song. I mean, it feels like a great way to go through a trauma is to oh, yeah. have it be a musical, I, I guess. <laughs> a nice now me- I'm not sure. <laughs> trauma, the musical. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great. Uh, another thing I read on Wikipedia, I think, relates to what we were just talking about, but I was not getting it because I'm a big dumbhead. Um, emotional scenes are often accompanied by an indie rock background song, something that has become a hallmark of the series, says Wikipedia. So is this true? Yes. So one of the like recurring musical motifs in the whole series is Rilo Kylie's Portions for Foxes. Okay. So it's like played at these big Meredith Grey moments, especially with her relationship with her now dead husband. Oh, sad. Um, Derek Shepard, Dr. McDreamy. So that it's like the it's the song that played I think as the series began. Okay. So sometimes when they want to sh- like show a clean start or something is reset, okay. they will play that song. Sometimes they do like a cover of that song. It comes up a lot. Okay. I feel like they played almost all of Tegan and Sarah's so jealous at some time. <laughs> I mean it's I mean to be fair, they I'm like you guys know my taste. It's nice. <laughs> You can watch your show and hear your songs all at once. <laughs> so do you still enjoy it? You you are a big music fan. You, I am. You know your I, indie bands. I love, I mean, I know that 
I feel it's a thing that critics will tear shows apart for, but like using using songs like as ways to like show emotion instead of right. just like earning it or making it really obvious. I freaking love it. I love it on every show. It, I just think it always like it always works on me. Like maybe I'm just <laughs> dumb, but I don't know. If you like play some swelling ballad and I'm yeah. gonna have some feels. I mean, why not? So right, it's great. That is a very healthy attitude. I, in general, try to be just uh, open to receiving whatever's being given to me by creative <laughs> things. But that's one that started to really become a pet peeve. Uh, I, I can't shut up about House. Because House, the first couple times I saw it on House, I was like, ooh, so effective. And then they kept doing it. And it does start to feel like, do we need to write a last scene or a last three minutes? No, just show everyone vaguely melancholy while thinking yes. about what's happened. <laughs> well, random Tom out, Waits like, song plays. The sound mix on Grey's is like the music's turned up so loud in comparison <laughs> to things. She's like, what Like, what are they doing? I'm like, it's because the song's important. <laughs> so do you, do you, are you just rocking out to the music? Are you just enjoying the music? Or do you feel like it is legitimately effective at uh, capturing what's happening. It's a cheap, effective tactic, but it, I think it works. Okay, okay. So Is you, that fair to say? Yes, you're saying it's like the uh, put a sad puppy in front of something when you're yes. trying to get people to maybe give you a dollar, and you're like, okay, sure, yeah. Yeah. It's effective. Why wouldn't you do it? I think, and I also feel like it was a thing they did at the beginning that was, again, maybe a way to set. This is how it's different. It has, like, these cool indie rock songs instead right. of a typical score. And at this point, it's just like, well, they're still doing it. Right, right. Maybe being punished for being one of the people who came up with it. And now everybody's yeah. like, great, easy out of an it's ensemble so show. True. <laughs> um, another thing from Wikipedia, it says, uh, each installment typically begins with a voiceover narrative from Meredith Grey or a season regular foreshadowing the theme of the episode. Yes. So tell me a little bit about those. Well, I'm trying to think. I feel like the th- the themes were much more thought out or at least <laughs> really forced toward the beginning. I feel like it's slightly less thematic now. Um, I talk about an episode a lot because I actually think it's one of my favorite episodes called, it's called Into You Like a Train. Because, And I remember <laughs> that because a train literally hits, it like goes off the tracks or something. And then two people have like a pull, like two people are like standing like this and then a pull goes through them and it like, and they're like stuck, and they're together. stuck together on this pole. And... The theme of the episode is Meredith has just, at this point, Derek is still married. She's found this out recently. She's basically said, like, you have to choose between your wife and me. And she goes to a bar and waits for him at the end of the episode before. Okay. Gets real drunk. And then this train crash happens and all the interns get called back to the hospital. And so she, like, comes in drunk. And they're, oh, like, trying no. to sober her up. And she's seeing this happen. And basically, the whole the whole thing is, like, who is saved and who is, you know discarded and because of the injuries of the two people stuck on the pole uh one has to just be like taken off basically and she's just left to die for the most part because there's no saving her once the pole is removed and it's this like big theme of like that's her she's like been left and like no one's saving her because there's no hope i mean she's been pulled really off hammered in the theme the emotional but, pole. but okay. like it ju- it's one of those things that, like, it just fucking works. Like, that yeah. music comes in, and she's like, what about her? And she's talking about herself. And, uh, totally yeah. works on me. That's great. So when she is narrating, is there any conceit? Is it like, 
uh, Gray's log. No. It, or is it just Meredith Gray is somehow talking to you Meredith from your mind? It's just... very like, I feel like very My So-Called Life. Did you okay. watch that show in the uh, I watched a little bit of it. I didn't, I think I saw like an episode or two. But I think it's very, it's, I think it's that same level of just sort of like, who is this? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? It's okay. I accept it. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Does she come back at the end and wrap up in like the, and Sometimes, so I learned yeah. I There's... was the woman who got yanked off the pole. <laughs> It's less of that. It's just still, it's just at key moments it will, it can still come in. Yeah. But there's not really, it's not like Doogie Hauser at the end where he's like typing in his little, do you remember that? He typed in like a computer journal. Yeah, yeah. I just literally just remember that. Yeah. Like in Riverdale has a, it's like a conceit that is really aware of itself of Jughead, you know. Right. Typing his little memoirs. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and a lot of things have like that memoir, but just in a show that I would think of as like, it's grounded because it's in the real world. It's, you yeah. know, it's a medical drama. It's about relationships. And then a voice from who knows where. Who could say? <laughs> Would you want that resolved? Would you want in the final episode you see that Meredith Grey has been uh, talking to a therapist or whatever? To, yes, I always want that. Even when I don't like it later. Like, I still kind of want it. Like, you mentioned St. Elsewhere earlier. Like, yeah. that has, like, the like the end is, like, yeah, bizarre like and snow globe. Yeah, it's that, all like, in the. It's all been imagined by the child of one of the characters. So, yeah. which, I mean, it used to be like a dumb joke I'd make that, like that, if that was just the end of every every show is just a boy <laughs> looking into a snow globe. He has such, such intricate thoughts. <laughs> yeah. No, I love shit like that. Even though I don't, I think it's like often a bad way out. I love it. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm yeah. just revealing my taste for like cheap gimmicks. <laughs> I love a cheap gimmick. Uh, would you want? Your actual week to begin with a voiceover narration, setting the theme of the week. Like, I love, do you ever do the thing where you drive around and you have, like, cool music playing and you're kind of like, this is like a movie? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I I, I love stuff (laughs) like that. Also, I think if you, probably everyone listening to this, you listen to a lot of podcasts, I think you're already sometimes having, like, those conversations because you're, like, listening to people talk about something. Right. Sometimes you're like, I would say it like this if I was talking about myself. <laughs> so I feel like I am the, I am primed to do this. Yeah. I'm not going to start because I feel like if no one asks, it's just creepy, but. <laughs> I yeah. would be more than happy if you tweeted out, just as an experiment, oh. a little voice recording of your theme statement for your week. I kind of want to do that with a cool song playing in the background. Is it just really a theme statement or or is Meredith Grey catching you up on what's going on at no, the hospital? No, it's much more like, well, sometimes it seems like you can't get away from someone. And then there's like conjoined twins who have to be separated. Oh, so this is like Sex in the City. It's like Sex in the City. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We're like, it's, it's, it's like that. Yeah. It turns out we were all dealing with yes. <laughs> emotional neuropathy. I don't know why that came to mind. Anyway, uh, what, if anything, could make you stop watching Grey's Anatomy at this point? I don't think there is a thing at this. I mean, I'm in 16 years, and I don't like a lot of the characters. Like, what What would it take? I was, I was out with friends a few weeks ago, and someone, we were just talking about, you know, like, relationships and sexuality and identity. And a friend of mine said, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because I'm married to a person who... I'm going to be with until like one of us dies. And I said, oh, that's me and Grace Anatomy. Like until I die or it goes off the air. Like it's every Thursday for me. And then I shouted, I, Grace Anatomy is my spouse. And then everyone laughed and got uncomfortable. And that was a great way to end that night. We're going to move on to our how obsessed are you questions. Do you think about Grey's Anatomy every day? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> 
So you, is it when you think about it, is it just passing through your mind where you just like yeah. you remember a beat or a plot, or, or are you breaking it down in in any sort of analytical way? I think sometimes I do spend a lot of time trying to figure out like when it was good and when it was bad and like what has changed yeah. when all the surface level things are the same. I okay. feel like I spend a lot of time trying to pinpoint that. And I think I just find it sort of like you were saying, it's fun to analyze things that are flawed. Because there's still work to be done. Yeah. And so I think I do a lot of that. I've done that a lot with, um, and it's a a complicated, sometimes problematic show, but I really like 24, Mm -hmm. and it definitely went off the rails. Right. And I had a lot of fun over the years thinking like, okay, well, what would you have done differently in this one season? Or why does that, they're doing, they're just repeating what they did in season two, but why why is it it not working? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a really, it's a fun way to uh, pass the mental time. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, When people walk into your home, can they tell you're obsessed with Grey's Anatomy? No, no. (laughs) I don't think there's any way you would know unless, unless Netflix is open and then it's like recently viewed, always first. Okay. (laughs) You you said that like you were hiding it on purpose. Like <laughs> no, I just no. was trying to think. I I do think I'm guilty of, despite my like boasts of I don't have guilty pleasures. I feel like a lot of things I have like up are a little more like these are the things people think it's cool to like. <laughs> like I'm only human. Okay, fair enough. So like, what do you have then? It displayed. <laughs> For people well, to I see. I feel like I'm like, these things aren't that cool. <laughs> I, I have like some prints from um not this most recent time, uh, but last time Slater Kinney was in town. I have like a couple like okay. concert prints. I have I have a the Americans art print, which I haven't put up yet, but I'm going the, to the TV show The, the Americans. TV show, the Americans. Oh, so good. Oh, one of the best ever. Yeah. Um oh, and I have like some Nan Lawson art in my room, which is like I have Ghostbusters and Lady Ghostbusters. And Parks and Rec, and oh, Catwoman from the Batman. I which, always which call Catwoman? it. Not, I always call it Batman Comes Back, but it's Batman <laughs> Returns, <laughs> which means comes back. The Michelle Pfeiffer Batman. Oh, Batman Returns. Yes. 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 But I, I just, I don't know. It always comes out. Batman comes back. But people, <laughs> which is confusing for people because they think they, they think I mean when Christian Bale takes over, and I don't. Like, I just no, mean, you mean when he returns, which means comes back. When Batman's back from the store. Yeah. Exactly. He's brought Catwoman. She's great. <laughs> okay, I, I so understand. So like, I feel like I do. Like, I just feel like I'm a little more like, here's my cool taste. I'll put it on the wall. Yeah. But now I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I should be true to myself and. Yeah, have some Grey's Anatomy art. I think all the art you have is awesome. But yeah, is that a thing that you would want? Do you want it in your life that way? I think there's something for me. There's something sort of fun about liking a thing that people like to make fun of. Yeah, that I just sort of love despite all that. There's to me that's the important part of it. That it's like, oh, this is a thing everyone shits on, including me, and also I love it. Okay. So there's something <laughs> very fun in that. That I'm like, I don't know, maybe I would put a little print up. Maybe if I found something cute. Yeah, nice, nice. I do feel like every time I've gone down like a wormhole of like, I'm gonna find like a cool thing, it's again, it's all very earnest. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want the earnest stuff. I want like we'll right. find we'll find out. Okay, so I you will, need like a I, weird print. I guess so. I'll update. I'll update you, social okay. media, <laughs> so if I find good. something that fits these parameters. Would you ever cosplay as a Grey's Anatomy character? Well, first of all, I feel like yes, because it would be easy. 
because you just literally need like scrubs in a white coat. <laughs> I'm all the doctors from Grey's exactly. Anatomy. Exactly. That okay, feels so enough. simple. So yeah, I but think I would. Would you, like for Halloween, if somebody had like a Halloween party and said, come as one of your favorite characters from a TV show, would you try to just go all the way into Dr. Meredith Grey or like, I I'm Dr. Meredith Grey from the episode where she was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's such a good costume. <laughs> Does she have a good outfit? Yeah. Well, no, but she has like the like the banana bag they call it when they're okay. like getting you not to be drunk. It's like an IV you get. So okay. I feel like yeah, I could oh, do that. Yeah. Would you enjoy that? Here's what I found. When I talk about it, like more of my friends watched it than I realized. People used to like okay. it or they have like great affection for things about it. So yeah, it's actually like one of those weird things where I feel like we're all like, I don't talk about the shitty thing I like. And then you do, <laughs> and everyone's like, Oh, this is really fun. Oh yeah, I'm still watching that. Okay. Fair enough. Um, would you go to a Grey's Anatomy pop-up event? I have. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about this. Yeah, there was a weird art event, like art inspired by the show that okay. happened a year or two ago. And a friend and I went. And the funny thing was she like invited some friends and she, I don't know if she didn't fill them in on what it really was or if they just like didn't read the link very carefully but they like thought it was going to be like some legit like industry event okay and we get there and it was just like weird art inspired by the show and oh, a lot nice. of it was like real like semi-deep dives into like knowing certain things that happened and the other two people like very quickly just like we'd been we had to like wait in line for like an hour to go in <laughs> and those two people just sort of like sat down and were like all right let me let us know when you guys are done because we'll check out our phones yeah. yeah okay interesting is there any sort of um bar or anything from the show that would make like a restaurant sit down eat pop-up kind of thing there was there was a bar when the sh- <laughs> like when the show was better there was a bar and then the bar- <laughs> i was thinking about i was what like do you know? is it the bar is that what made it good <laughs> but yeah the bar isn't in it very much anymore but yeah that would be fun okay would you go to a pop-up that was just in a hospital or like we've made our hospital be like the <laughs> Grey's anatomy hospital Wait, it d- do you mean when I divert my own medical care, or is this just like a thing where you can come into a hospital and enjoy something as a healthy person? Uh, both. <laughs> yeah, to both. Okay. <laughs> like no ambulance, drive ten miles further. I want to go to the Gray's Anatomy Hospital to be treated. I just love pop up events because sometimes they match. Like, oh yeah, of course, if you're like love friends, you want to go to Central Perk and just hang out and like. But I've gone to a couple of Twin Peaks pop-up events, and they're so great because they're like, yeah, it's it's one of the eating establishments from Twin I Peaks. I love stuff like that. But it's layered with all the... Like, but also, it's an ambiguous hell dimension where your soul <laughs> might be trapped for 25 uh, years at the same time. That's awesome. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. So they thought of going to a hospital like, yeah, no, I actually do. I, I kind of want to do that. Yeah. I, I, have, I need stitches, and also I want to celebrate Grey's Anatomy. I'll go to the... <laughs> the hospital pop-up. I do know they make Grey's Anatomy branded scrubs. Like, for real? For real. And I find that very weird. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I'm a fan of the show, but if, like, a doctor rolled up and they were wearing those, I'd be like, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I would be really. I'd be weirded out. I would be really weirded out. Yeah, like, same thing. Like I said, I'd like 24. But if, like, I saw a cop who had, like, a bulletproof <laughs> vest with the 24 logo on, and be like, no, 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 no go away. Uh, if a presidential candidate announced they were a fan of Grey's Anatomy, would you be more or less likely to vote for them? I would be more. And here, I'm going to say some really good things about Grey's Anatomy now. <laughs> the show continues to be diverse. They have queer characters. Again, people of color in high-ranking positions. There was an episode 
a season or two ago where a non-binary patient was treated and one of the older doctors was really flippant about pronouns. And the, like two younger doctors were like, you know, actually, it's really easy to say you use there and the singular all the time if you don't know who you're yeah. talking about. So why is it so hard to do it for one person who is asking? And I was like, oh my God, you just explained that one <laughs> sentence so much better than I've been able to manage. And it was just like things like that still happen on it. Yeah. So again, it's very easy to write off a show with like a pedophile seeking fire and a vagina gun. But like these things happen too. <laughs> and also like women, one of the, I think the thing that's most important to me is that women are shown going after this giant big career. Okay. And they still have like spouses and kids or they don't, but like all the paths are shown as valid. Right. And I think there's something really nice about that. Yeah. It's not a thing that, especially when it started in 2005, like you said, that you were getting a ton of on television. Right. And a lot of, uh, pictures of women if they're successful are just like they're uber successful they're impossible and it's, it's hard to relate to yeah like, or it's the see... whole thing of like well she's great at work but can she keep a man it's like <laughs> well yeah it's a lot of it's the same skills like interpersonal relationship it's not like what <laughs> uh, okay all right uh, so so you would uh so, yeah. you would increase your level of support I would. for a candidate who recognized all those wonderful qualities. I mean, if that was like the only thing going for them, <laughs> right. no. But it, t- I would, I would assume they were appreciating some of the same qualities as I did. Yes. <laughs> would you drive a big van with images from Grey's Anatomy <laughs> just uh, spray painted well, on the what side? Images. I think. I mean, there's a lot of like medical gore. What if it, uh, uh, who is the actor who plays McDreamy? Oh, Der- uh, uh, Patrick Dempsey. Uh, yes, to like, me, he like is a- cop from Scream Three. But uh, <laughs> so if it was, he's just- always like driving that lawnmower and can't buy me love. To me, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, if it was a picture of like him on one side and Doctor Meredith Grey on the other, I think I would drive it. Yeah, I think it would just be a fun experiment. <laughs> it would really be a happens. fun experiment. Would you be okay with? In- the increased amount of engagement, right? Because you would just pull up to, you know, Target and you'd get out of the van and somebody would be like, Crazy Anatomy, right? You you couldn't avoid talking about it if that was your just your regular ride. It's true. I think, for better or worse, I'm someone who's always, like, a little ready to have a conversation about things. So. Fair enough. Well, that segues into my next question really well. If you got stuck in an elevator, how long would it take for Grey's Anatomy to come up in conversation? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I feel like I can I can talk about a lot of things <laughs> ad nauseum. So it might not be that. Yeah, if it was, so and I have a, di- I will say too that there's like two other shows that w- I would talk about elevators first. Okay. So <laughs> you have two I, elevator shows yes, first. First of all, there was a very I will never forget it, like, horrible elevator death at the beginning of an episode of Six Feet Under. Okay. Because I always showed, like, the death of the week at the beginning. It was like a <laughs> the elevator got stuck between floors and people thought they could, oh, like, climb boy. through, but yeah. then it moved mm. and the guy got, like... Yeah. And then um, in Russian Doll, there was, like, the whole elevator oh, thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I would okay. think of... I think I would talk to people for... I'd be like, oh, hey, have you seen that death in Six Feet Under? And then I would ruin everyone's mood. So then maybe I could be like, oh, but... Ingers and Enemy, they could pick, put, put them back together. I don't know. Yeah, um, okay. So it could, it could lead there. <laughs> uh, I guess another way to ask it is, is let's say uh, that, so the elevator stops. It's clear that you're going to be, you get a message, you know, on the little com, like, we know you're there. You're going to be safe, but it's going to be two hours. Yep. You're in there with three other people. Nobody's saying anything. And you feel the responsibility to make conversation. Oh, wow. 
when you're going through your sort of list of like, it's my responsibility to start a conversation. I do feel like if there were other like 40-ish women, I might be like, hey, do you guys, <laughs> you guys watch on TV right now? Okay. okay. And then maybe we would just have like a nice, again, a nice conversation about Watchmen. But maybe we would talk about Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. You, you just don't know. Might segue. Okay, fair enough. If the only way you could see Grey's Anatomy again was to steal a Blu-ray box set from Walmart, would you do it? Well, I'm really anti-Walmart, but I'm also really, I'm not like a... Like, I'm not a rule breaker. I'm still okay. just like, a, like I said, I really like authority's approval. So, right. yeah, probably not. Okay. But I would if encourage a friend to do it if yeah. they were a rule breaker. I'd be like, hey, <laughs> screw Walmart. I hate their policies. I got an assignment for you. <laughs> <laughs> you can be like uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Batman comes back. <laughs> you can steal this for me. <laughs> uh, this is the last How Obsessed Are You question. If aliens were visiting Earth and you got to greet them... Would you try to explain human culture by showing them an episode of Grey's Anatomy? I think it wouldn't be the worst thing to show them. <laughs> so maybe. Do you think, what do you think they would get from just a absolute, like, middle of a season, middle of the run, just standard episode of Grey's Anatomy, not the musical episode, <laughs> not the vagina gun? <laughs> I mean, I think, again, I'm, I always feel, like, weird when I lapse into my, no, here's the good things I have to say. But at the end of the day, I think you see people working together. You see people trying to save each other. And a lot of times that's, like, regardless of the person's personality or belief system. And, yeah, that's worse. There's way worse things to say about humanity. Than yeah. That. Look, we work together yeah. sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> and, again, people of all genders, people of different races, etc. Right. There's something nice about, like... I'd rather show that to aliens than like an all white cast or an all straight cast. Right. Yeah. And, and I think showing them something that begins with a sort of theme statement shows. Oh, yeah. They're like, like, I can follow this, even yeah. though I'm coming into it mid season, like me in season two. <laughs> the aliens will be like, wait, this is all on Netflix? Let's sit down. We can do at least four or five hours a night. Uh, <laughs> if can... we start while we're cooking dinner. Uh, can you make a noise to sum up your obsession? Oh, no, because. <laughs> So there's like a weird theme song that's just like sort of like medical beeps set to music. Okay. And then I always try to do it and I can't. So I just want to say my inability to do it is the sound. <laughs> but I just want everyone to know every time I watch an episode. Like, you try to like sing I try along. to do it. Like beep, 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 beep. It's <laughs> so bad. Yeah, it's pretty great. If I had a show with a theme song, I would want pe- people to be able to sing along. I'm, okay, you I'm would, sad. You want me. a bouncing ball on the lyrics. Yeah. Oh, clarity. yeah. All right. Uh, have everyone give a rating to their obsession. So on a scale of one to ten, one lowest, ten highest, where would you rate your own obsession level with Grey's Anatomy? I feel like a 7.5. Okay. Now, is that because it is just, it's a, it's a, television show and you like it but that's about where it stays you're not trying to incorporate into other parts of your life you don't have a Grey's Anatomy podcast (laughs) no no I think I've thought about it (laughs) honestly I just don't want to produce a podcast I have it's 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 on my sort of here's a list of things I think I'd have a good podcast about yeah one is Grey's Anatomy but I just honestly I'm too lazy it's a lot of work it's a lot of work to do it right so I feel like a regular show that I just consume and I enjoy is like between a six and a seven, but I bump it up to like a 7.5 Right, because I did go to a pop-up event. I am texting people about it. It's yes. not like 
a neutral thing in my life. Right. It's slightly more than that. And you've mentioned several times having con- active conversations with people. Yes. So e- either you fall into them or you seek them out. No, I, both. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely always let a conversation go there if I feel like it's going to. Okay. I, I even found out I, um, one of my friends has this really cool like weekly newsletter and I wrote a piece for it about how much I love Grey's Anatomy. Okay. It was when ER came back on Hulu and everyone's like, oh, the medical drama, that's really good. And that started it all. And I'm like, well, there's other <laughs> stuff before that. Cause I'm just that jerk. And I rewatched it and I, I really like ER. Again, I love him. I mean, I love medical drama. And the thing that kept striking me though, it was just so, the male POV was so strong in it. Okay. And, the way a lot of women were portrayed was sort of like, like you said, if she's going to be good at this, she's either like untouchable or it's sort of that thing about like, but she's so terrible. For <laughs> She wants the same thing a man does. And I'm like, yeah, yep, that's true. And compared to Grey's, I was just like, I know it's like not technically as good of a show in some ways, yeah. but as, like as a woman to me, it just like was so much more important. And so I wrote an essay about that. And it like it made one of my friends start rewatching it again. Oh, awesome! Like she she actually she's like I didn't even catch up. I just started watching it. You can always figure out what's happening. So <laughs> it was I felt like very powerful about that. But also I was like, oh, this is I'm just getting people back on board. This is exciting. Yeah, yeah, you're spreading the good word. Crazy <laughs> anatomy. It's my gospel. Uh, we have reached the plugging section. Mm. You have a, a big event in a new book coming out, right? I do. My new book comes out on January seventh. It's called We Used to Be Friends. It is about a friendship breakup which I think is one of the worst breakups you can go through often worse than a romantic breakup. Cause it's like your person, the, like someone you think will always be with you in some yeah. way. So and it's told in both points of view because I didn't want to write about like one scheming, terrible person and like one great person who <laughs> I just happen to be telling the story of. So it's both points of view. It's told in two timelines. One goes forward and one goes backward. Oh, wow. So that was a thing I did to myself and it involved many Excel charts to figure out and I hope people enjoy it yeah, or just cry from it. But I promise even though it sounds sad, it's about a friendship breakup. There's still like both plot lines have romance. It's still, I think there's some jokes in there. So it's not too heavy, I hope. Okay, so it's still st- solidly in the, still in the my... young adult genre yes. wheelhouse that you've been writing in? It is. It happens senior year of high school. But I think okay. it's one of those things, I'm hoping, if you've gone through a friendship breakup, regardless of your age, I think there's some common themes we feel. So yeah. it's also been really fun slash interesting. Everyone who reads it usually has like one girl. They're like, oh, no, I mean... I'm on her side way more. So it's really, I don't know. I really am enjoying Cause I feel like I learn a lot just yeah. by complete, even of complete strangers when they're like, Oh, well found her way more compelling. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Now I know more about your brain. <laughs> right. Cause a year goal writing it was to have, I these really are two understandable people, right. Yeah. Who, who, who fell apart. Both Their friendship flawed, fell apart. But I yeah. think both to me, both deserving of empathy, et cetera, both made choices for the reasons they did. For they did. I think both are trying as hard as they can. Like, I think that's what happens in a lot of breakups, regardless of what kind of breakups. Yeah. It's not because, like, one person is the worst. It's because sometimes it's just, like, really hard to be a person. Yeah. And so then when you're trying to be a person with another person, it just doesn't always go great. So, yeah. Kind of like improv, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> so that comes out January 7th. I'm going on a book tour. I'm going to be in oh, San Francisco, Denver, Minneapolis, St. Paul, oh, New York, excellent. Boston, St. Louis, and back in L.A. So if you're in one of those cities, check my social media. I will be posting about it a whole lot to find time and place. But 
that's all sort of the first and second week of January. I'd love to see people. Yeah. You can come and talk. Just like if there's a Q&A section, <laughs> just ask me about Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I would be thrilled to. At that point, I think I'll be so like done talking about the book. I'll be like, great. Please. Let's talk let's about talk friendships about Grey's and Grey's Anatomy. Or just Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you one other question about the book, though? Because I'm very yes. intrigued. Um, you, you jokingly said that you did it to yourself to do a more complex uh, yes. structure. You've written a lot of books. I have. Were you was that because you wanted to challenge yourself or did you were you just thinking about the story and said that's the coolest way to tell it so I'll put myself through writing hell. <laughs> so what I started thinking about was if you see something after it happens, sometimes it's hard to imagine what it would have started. Like I thought about not being friends with some people who had been really important to me. And if you and if you saw me at the time, and you knew what my feelings were currently, Yeah, there'd be no way for you to understand how we had been friends at right. one point. And so then I got intrigued about the story of like of like telling it backward. I thought like, oh, I'm going to write about a friendship after it happened and then sort of like piece it back together going backward in time. Yeah. And for some – and then I – and then I kind of thought like, no, because I'm going to make one character the villain. And I just I just didn't like the thought of that. Because, again, I just don't think that's real life. I think right. in general there's not a villain. It's not that simple. And you don't think you're the villain ever. No. But you're probably half the villain. Like, <laughs> it's just how it works. And so I started thinking like, okay, but if I did like two points of view, what would that be like? Would it both go backward? And then I thought of the – there's a musical called The Last Five Years. And it's about – it's just a two-person musical. And it's about a couple who like meet – fall in love, get married, and then divorce. Okay. But it's told that way where um, his his story starts at the beginning of them meeting and her starts at the end. So okay. like the first time she's singing on stage, you already know that he has left. Okay. And so then there's this weird feeling of like, he's like really happy and you're like, oh man, this is going to go poorly for you, sir. Yeah. And I liked the idea of storytelling of like, you will see someone really sad about something and then you're cutting to this other person who is in a totally different place. Yeah. And I liked how it could like inform, like scenes could inform one another yeah. and you could leave like one emotional state to drop to like a totally different one and go back and forth that way. Yeah. And so my goal was just whatever chapter you're reading, you're like, I am here for you. You are correct. <laughs> and then bounce to the other character in her chapter. Yeah. But at the end of the day, no one said write a more complex book. Right. I, you just went I through just this whole process. This was and the it's... right way to do it. And then as I'm doing it and just like, Oh, I had to like flip the chapters back in order just so I could see if they made sense. And yeah. then the exposition's weird because people would give me notes of like, I mean, we know this already because it happened. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah I, but I need to re-say it. Yeah, that's fascinating. It, it was it was a weird process. And and I was also I was basically writing it on spec. Like no, literally no one had asked me for this book. OK, so it was also like. I just like go home and almost cry just looking at all my like tabbed Excel sheets. And I had like a graph of emotions that I, <laughs> because one of the things that it was tricky for me was the thought of, you know, I'm cutting back and forth. And so one girl is getting increasingly like frustrated with the friendship and it's yeah. getting worse. But the other one is like, cause it's going backwards. It's like getting better. So I like had like a line graph of like where they intersect and like who's happy and who's sad at any, like, and I'm like, at one point, I just remember I was like in a parking garage at a mall and my head was just like flooded with like, <laughs> okay, so if I do this, I have to set this up here and I have to do this and then I have to reveal this then. And I was like, what are you, like, this is all 
all you. No one asked you to do this. I'm doing it to myself. But it was very, it was so rewarding. Yeah. To finish it and to work on it once I had an editor. Yeah. And like feel the pieces sort of come together and figure all the little stuff out. So. Yeah. Because I imagine once you got it into shape, it was much easier to clean up those parts that that's repetitive. That needs to be reset. All that kind of stuff. So much easier. Well, this is definitely happening now in chapter two. So I know if it comes up in chapter three, I don't have to like over explain it. So yeah. Cool. So social media, where can people find you on social media? On Twitter, I'm the Ames, T-H-E-A-M-E-S. On Instagram, I'm that Ames, (laughs) T-H-A-T-A-M-E-S. I've, as I say, it's very annoying that it's different. And I've decided to dig my heels in on it and not change either one. Fair enough. And is there one, do you have a website or is there? I do. It's theamyspalding.com. Okay. And they can get all your books there. You can get all my books there. You can find the book tour dates and any other events I'm doing. So yeah, between, I feel like I'm on Twitter so much that I'm like, you can find everything there, but Twitter's so, you miss so many things on it actually. Yeah. I like knew someone once for six months and they were like, oh, do you write books? I'm like. Oh, I feel like I talk about it way too much. So great. Honestly, I was relieved. Someone was like offended on my behalf. I was like, no, I'm so relieved. No, no. It just means that I get to tweet about it more. Exactly. I'm like, awesome. So yeah, any, any places is good. I will be talking about it, but you're right. My website is probably the very easiest place to find all the information and buy the books. Yeah. So yeah, check out the tour, buy the books. Here are some quick plugs for this show and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com and you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. All right, final questions. If you could command an army of animals to do your bidding, what animal would you want to command? Wait, do I know that they're going to do my bidding, or am I just having to hope? (laughs) You know. Oh, cats. Cats, okay. I love cats, but I don't feel like they always want to do my bidding. So (laughs) if they're guaranteed. Yes. What would you ask them to do? (laughs) I don't know. Right now I'm in this like whirlwind of book publicity so i'm like i don't know can they like pitch me to podcasts (laughs) do they know terry gross (laughs) i'm imagining now a bunch of cats with like a a little paperback book uh, strapped to their back and just going door to door oh that'd be great check out my book (laughs) they have like a little square device to like take the payments (laughs) I, i think that's a great great thing to ask of cats if you could fly, but you had to hold an object in your hand to do it, what object would you want to hold in your hand? Oh, I'm going to just be my phone because I'm on it anyway. <laughs> you got Google Maps. You can figure out where you are. Yeah, I'd, uh, yes, I would feel so much more comforted. Right, because you're just flying around. I think it would be easy to get lost. Like, what street is that under me? Yeah, it's like anytime I'm landing from like an airplane where you can see yeah. below you i'm always like i'm gonna figure out where i i never can tell <laughs> no you need a big at least i need a, like a big clear landmark yes otherwise like where is this the right city even where when I, I come into burbank i'm like i'm gonna i work so close to here i'm gonna see my off i've never <laughs> seen my office i'm gonna see the target by my nope <laughs> nope that's just a building excellent uh the final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness oh you know? i always I'm like, I don't know. Just being nice. (laughs) I've been thinking a lot lately about how a lot of my friends who I've met at very different points in my life in very different ways 
like all really like each other so much. Yeah. And it makes me just feel like very, there's some sort of sense of like almost like home with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're just like, oh, I just feel like I'm making the right choices because I like chosen family is such a weird thing of just like this collection as you move through life. And right. some people just kind of stick for, you know, whatever. Because a lot of people are great. Yeah. And then some just become the people who mean so much. And the fact that then those people... We all get along together. There's something really beautiful about that to me. Yeah, that's a great answer. Nobody has ever answered in that specific way. Yeah. Like, found family that all works together is it's awesome. Really nice about it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have any other uh, final thoughts before we wrap up about Grey's Anatomy? Anything else that you wanted to be sure the world knows? Hmm. I will say there's been two Grey's spinoffs, Private Practice and Station 19, and I've... <laughs> as a Grace fan, been trying to watch Private Practice on Hulu, and it's extremely bad, and I don't like it. (laughs) I think an excellent way to end the podcast. Thank you very much. That is our podcast. (laughs) You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Boop, 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 boop. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>